Oh yeah. Okay. It's bad. Is it bad? What were you saying, Jeff? When you took my gun apart and looked at it. What I said, Jeff, did you do you, you not like, know how to take it apart? He's like, this is the dirtiest gun I've ever seen. Uh, I saw Jeff's gun at Area Three, and it wasn't that dirty. I've never seen a gun that dirty before. Well, Dude, I cleaned it before an area match. Jeez. I was amazed. I was amazed on how dirty that gun was, and how, and it was running. The shadow design will actually tell you when it needs cleaned. The hammer starts squeaking really loud when you pull the trigger. That means it's time to clean it. <laughs> this means time to add more oil. So, I add oil to it every time I shoot it. Yeah, I bet I've. I there's no way Jeff's gun was as dirty as my guns get. There's just no way. Probably not. I don't know. I'm just telling you that was the dirtiest gun I've ever seen. I've gone over 20,000 rounds without cleaning a gun before. Okay, well, I don't know that I've ever seen a gun with 20,000 rounds that's Woo! never been cleaned, but I bet Jeff's had 10,000 rounds on it. No. Jeff hasn't shot 10,000 rounds this year. That's a good point. That's a good point. But it had, it had every round he shot this year on it. When I get a new gun next year... I'll see if it'll go 20,000 rounds without cleaning it. I mean, at some point, it doesn't get any dirtier, right? It just starts, like, falling out in clumps. It yes. It kind of stays that uh, dirty. No, it'll kind of keep filling up. Like, like, <laughs> like, in the, like where the lower barrel feet sit and stuff. Yeah. I've had one so dirty before that, like, literally there's just room for the barrel feet down there. Like, all oh that excess God. space <laughs> is just full of stuff. Like, it's just wow. full. <laughs> That's amazing. You just, like the, you just the slide, the slide upper lug, like where the barrel moves in the slide, is like completely surrounded with gunk, like just solid, just gunk. And you just keep throwing oil in, it and it'll keep moving. You just pray your customers don't treat their guns that bad, don't you? Oh, I I don't want a customer that shoot, that treats their guns like I do. That would be bad. Well, that's a good intro to the show. Yeah, someone want to bring it up? Jeff, it's your job. Oh, Jason, he's already recording. I was going to start the recording. That's when, why. When did you start that? Two minutes and 28 seconds ago. Oh, cool. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Hit Factor. Um, today on deck, we got everybody. Jason, Jared, Jeremy, Jeff. And I think we have a couple of Facebook questions to tackle. And also... Um, Jeremy was going to tell us about how dirty his guns were. Did we already get that? Was that on there? Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's great. That is that is the proper way to maintain your handgun. You heard him. 20,000 rounds, no cleaning, just add oil. It's just got to get compacted in there so that no, no more bad stuff can get in. That's right. Well, that's right. I think a good gunsmith cleaned it before he sent it to you. It shouldn't need another cleaning. Pretty much, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because the better the better the cleaning, the longer it can go without cleaning, right? Right. Yeah. If, something like that. Eventually, the gunk. Eventually, the gunk fills in all the open spaces and keeps the gun tight, right? That's that is <laughs> tight. That is right. I probably shoot the guns that need the least cleaning, and I bet I clean my guns more than anybody. You probably do. So, I've cleaned my match gun once this year. I haven't cleaned my backup gun, and I've cleaned my practice gun 
It'll be three times tomorrow when I replace the trigger returns free. I thought the whole point of shooting a canic was so that you shoot it until it gets so dirty that you just throw it in the trash and get another one. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know, dude. I clean. He just. I mean, he likes I, polishing turds, man. No, I mean, I just and, and they don't even need like even when I shot Glock, I cleaned them probably uh, they, on my practice gun. It probably went a thousand rounds, maybe. But my match gun, it it got it probably didn't get over four or five hundred rounds because after a match, so I'd clean what? it and I'd shoot it once to kind of make sure. Just to kind of, I always like the feeling of shooting it after cleaning it, and then I'd shoot it the match and then just repeat that cycle. So you would clean a gun once a week. Uh, I clean my practice guns probably. I haven't been. I've actually slipping a little bit on this year, but I clean them probably. Yeah, I mean, I clean about every uh, thousand rounds to two thousand rounds. They don't That's go over two thousand. I can tell you that. And really, all I, only thing I really sweat the most is the, is just the feed ramp. I'm for me. I'm like I want the feed ramp and the magazine, uh, the inside the grip to be clean, and then I just kind of yeah. take a Q-tip, and clean the clean the inside of the rails out real quick, and then. Um, it's it's simple to clean, so it didn't take me long. That's I hose them off with I hose them off with brake cleaner, and then re-oil them and put them back together. That's that's good stuff because it's a high pressure. <laughs> See, I could brake cleaner is not caustic enough though. I prefer a carb cleaner. It's not as yeah. high pressure as brake clean though. Yeah, but it 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 gets stuff done better, cleans it off better. Do you guys I, use ultrasonic cleaners? No. I do at work. I've never put a gun in one, and I I, st- I won't. I don't know why, but I'm like I'm not di- I ain't, I'm not putting this in liquid. We have a we have a big one at work that's like the oil based Lucas cleaner that we use in it. It, it. it does a good job. Does it? You're not worried it's about not- getting in there and jacking your sights up? No, uh, the the sights the finish on the sights is already pretty worn off on the corner. So every once in a while, when they get too shiny, I'll re cold blue them, and it makes them better for a little bit. When uh, I got a question for you. When it comes out of that uh, ultrasonic cleaner, does it like suck all the oil out of the metal? No, it's no. oily. It's an oil-based cleaner in there. The Lucas okay. oil stuff is like oil-based. You actually need to like wipe it down. Oh, well, that's good. I had a cleaner. I think it was a Hoppy's cleaner uh, that I used one time, and it was like a foam. And I sprayed that yeah. on my gun. And it it sucked everything out of that metal, and it yeah, would rust in like in like ten minutes. That gun would rust. Yeah, yeah, that's a degreaser. I mean, so it's it's designed to pull all the grease and the oil and stuff off of it. Right, so you can like paint it or something. Yeah, but it's also just to clean it to get all the gunk and stuff. Like it's supposed to pull all that off so that you can then re-oil it right after it, get it to bare metal, and then re-oil it right, right. away. I think I was trying to get a gun ready for Duracoat. I think that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so I like they use that on there. It? I don't have a sandblaster. Whoever was Duracoating it? Oh, I was you were doing it. it. Oh, well, okay. I, I'm sure it worked <laughs> really well, too. It was awesome. Shut up. <laughs> okay, so while we're on this topic, I, guarantee I, that. I do want to touch. I want to ask each of y'all, uh, like, what is your gun maintenance uh before a match like if you're going to clean a gun how far out from the match do you do it okay so i'll go first so i i use three guns so i have a primary practice gun that i shoot and dry fire and everything then i have a backup gun that i don't really shoot much and i have my match gun uh match gun i'll clean i only shoot it at majors 
So I'll generally clean it uh, probably every other major, every couple of majors. I'll take it apart, wipe it out, add fresh oil. And then for me, it's not so much a shooting it from cleaning it thing, just a, a level of confirmation with the gun. I always confirm zero on my guns the last like day, the last time I shoot before I leave for a major. So uh, this week I'll go out on Thursday before I fly out to Area 8 on Friday. And the only thing I'll do at the range is I'll just make sure both of my guns are zeroed. I won't really shoot otherwise. I'll just zero them. Okay. Jeremy? Uh, well, I mean, now at this point, having a practice gun and a match gun, like, I don't... Like, I might clean the match gun sometime during the year, but otherwise, if it's just shooting matches, then I'll just shoot it at matches and don't worry about it. Like, if it gets a thousand rounds on it, it ain't gonna mess anything up or foul anything up or not work. Um, but I also have no problem. I've many times the night before a match had a gun completely disassembled in the hotel room, and I'm using the white hotel towels to clean Son off of all the black grease and, <laughs> and get everything the, the, clean. The candlewood uh, towels are the best towels for that, by the way. Yeah, like, I mean, like, so like it's funny. Like some people are, like feel like like they take a gun apart and they. Uh, like they feel like they need to go like shoot it to test fire and like make sure it works, and maybe just from the fact just working on a night's eleven all day every day, like I don't feel any sort of like I'll take it down one hundred percent every part off of it, and I have no problem putting it back together and I've not like there's zero worries about it not working the next day. Yeah, talking about cleaning it in the hotel room though, I think every time I've shot at a southern utah i think i've had to do that because a dust storm blew up at some point in time during the match yeah and i had i had to clean my gut between days yeah that place can get pretty nasty jason um so i've now got three guns set up i just set up a third one but before what i would do is i'd, I'd have obviously a practice gun and then a match gun and i'm like jared I, a zero I try to get out the week of the match if the week if it's on the weekend, which I mean they're on always on the weekend. I try to get out you know Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest. That way, if there's a problem, I can fix it and get back out to the range before Friday before I normally leave. So with my gun uh, being these polymer striker fired guns, what I've shot for the last two years, I just take Q-tips and kind of run through the rails and try to get them fairly clean and um, on both the frame and the slide, um, and then just oil up the right parts and and just kind of feel it so that's kind of what i do and then and that's that's my and i do the same thing with mags i'll take um the bases off and brush them out and then clean them nice so thorough yeah oh yeah i mean I also don't remember the last time i checked zero on my guns i did i mean i guess that's a thing but i don't can't remember the last time i what what's it. the point man what's the point you don't have adjustable sights right i mean i got fixed sights like they ain't moving so yeah don't so worry about that. i it has actually bit me in the past probably i don't know maybe i just don't know how to take guns apart or put them together i don't know probably but true. i have uh i'll take a gun apart like after my last practice session clean it put it back together or i'll do it in the hotel room right before the match take it apart clean it and usually or not usually but a couple times the first stage i'll have a light strike like like a piece of junk i missed or something gets caught somewhere 
and slows it down just enough, I'll have one light strike. So now I clean the gun a practice session or two before the match, and then I go practice on it, and then I shoot it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's happened to me a couple times. I'll clean it in the hotel room, and then the first stage I'll have a light strike. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, but I don't do that anymore. I don't clean. I don't take this the firing pin out or mess with any of that in the hotel room. When I was shooting 1911s or uh, CZs or anything with a, a regular firing pin, I would when I took it out and cleaned it, I would clean the channel, you know, with a, a Q-tip, make sure everything's um, clean, and then I'd put a bunch of grease and oil in in there. And, what? <laughs> Totally joking. Totally joking. <laughs> but seriously, I, this is what I would do, though, is I would take the firing pin and put it on a table and roll it just to make sure it rolled and it wasn't warped. It rolled without warp. With, I didn't see any warps. I don't know why I did that. This is something I always did. I've never seen one that was warped, but I always did it. I'm just like, I, I don't know why. You, you've never ruined a firing pin for a 1911? And that may have been something I just don't remember, but I know I take it out and roll it on a table just to make sure it's not warped. I think I've never I think ruined I, one on a 1911. I think I ruined two. And basically what happened is uh, some of my dummy rounds didn't have primers in them. Yep. So if you're doing unloaded starch or something, the firing pin would get stuck in the flash hole on the brass. And when you go rack it out, sometimes it'd bend the tip. Yeah, I've done that. And then the firing pin just, like, stays out. Yep. Yep. And, and yeah. I won't dry fire... Even with, I didn't even do this with Glocks, and I don't do it with a Canic. I do not, I do not dry fire. I, let me rephrase that. When I'm practicing, I don't dry fire on empty chambers. I always put a snap cap with a spent primer in there, and then once that primer gets really wallered out, I uh, I make a new one, and um, and I won't dry fire on an empty chamber unless I'm doing it just for a couple times and I don't have a snap cap. But well, that's but just yeah. like superstition, right? Nope. It's just I don't know. I just. Well, I, I had a buddy that cracked his Glock slide because he all he did was sit there and dry fired it on empty chamber nonstop, and and then we we contacted Glock about it, and they were like, "Yeah, you're not supposed to do that." We even say that in the directions or something, and from that point on, I never did it again. That's because Glock is inferior. Yeah. Well, Anybody I mean, out there shooting a 911, 2011, there's there's zero, no reason like, why you can't dry fire the gun as much as you want on an empty chamber. You're fine. It will not. Well, hurt. The, no, and I'm with you on that. Only thing I would say about that is what Jared was saying is I wouldn't do it without a. If you're gonna so, put a round in the chamber, make sure you got a primer to hit it so it doesn't get in there. Yeah, and get the I process. don't. I don't you have don't? one. So, it's never been a problem. Gen generally speaking, competition CZs are good to go for that, with the exception of like a standard SPO one or anything else with a firing pin block. You'll eventually damage the firing pin retaining pin if you dry fire without something to stop the forward momentum of the firing pin. Yeah, I could see that. Well, and then the strikers, I see also the same case, uh, but it's actually more on the breech face because they're not the firing pins. You're not going to hurt the breech face. Well, it's not the firing pins. It's spring-goaded. Yeah, I disagree, but, you know, if you do it enough, you will. I think think you can. But that breech face takes all that impact. Uh, It's not not the same setup as, like, a 1911. But uh, that's just my opinion. But anyways. Don't shoot a communist gun and you're fine. There you go. There you go. Hey, if we're done with this one, I got a topic I want to ask y'all. It's kind of related. Let's hear it. All right. Do you guys chamber check your loaded ammo for just do you chamber check it? Yes, no. For this, for this for a match, you do. For practice, you don't. What? 
Like like the tactical chamber check? No, 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 I'm sorry. Did I say chamber check? I meant case gauge your ammo. My bad. I case gauge every round I shoot in a match. Yeah, that's what I uh, in a match. I, that, I, no. I do not case gauge practice ammo. I don't even always case gauge the stuff I shoot at club matches, honestly. I will most of the time, unless I just like a ranch order time. But it's just because it's convenient to case gauge it when you're putting it in 100 round boxes. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if I have the time, I'll do it before a club match. Other than that, I always check the stuff going to a major. And I don't check anything I shoot in practice. Although, to be fair, Jeff's, whatever his quality control on his ammo, like, not exactly great. Because I was looking at some of his ammo for Area 3. And a hey. bunch of, like, high primers and stuff. Like, actually, hey. I think he, I gave one to him. I was like, dude, are you going to shoot this? He's like, yeah. And then he looked at the primer and was like, maybe I won't shoot this. Because the primer was, like, <laughs> a third of the way out of it or something. Did, did, I have any, did I have any ammo issues? You were... Pretty fortunate, mm-hmm. I think. Did, did I still win? You know, still, <laughs> you still won, Jeremy, but it was if, not. It was. If you, it was not because of your diligence. If you hadn't told him about that, would you might have beat him? That's true. Might have. Might have. So, uh, so Jeff comes up to my house and we're practicing, and he's getting all kinds of failures. And I'm like, "Well, do you case gauge your ammo?" And he's like, "No." And I go, "Well, then how do you know it's not? It's the ammo. It's not the ammo causing these problems, and it's the gun. I mean." He's like, so we he comes over to my house. So we go, we leave the range, go to my house, and I pull out my forty hundo, and he's chamber checking all this ammo, and it's just, man, it's it's sticking halfway out. There's oh, crack cases. Fix that for me. Primers are upside yeah. down and still sticking out. Jer- so Jeremy, actually, uh, he looked at my bullets and said I didn't have enough crimp, so I put more crimp on it, and they all case gauge now. It's amazing. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, Jeff was still right, like. His crimp was literally like there was still like an edge like sticking out like <laughs> protruding. He's like, I like my crimp the way it is. It's like, bro, like this ain't this ain't bullseye ammo that we're trying to get away with. Uh, put a crimp on it. Right. So, so never be too proud to take some advice from somebody like Jeremy. That's that actually takes a lot of humility to take <laughs> advice from somebody like Jeremy Reed. But I, I would not do that on a regular basis. So even my match ammo that doesn't pass case gauge, I just throw it in the practice pile. And I would say I probably get of a, just a bad round that something was wrong in the loading cycle. I probably see one, one to two every thousand rounds. So it's not a very high frequency. And normally about one of those will be a flipped primer for my primer tube pillar every thousand rounds, but it's worth the convenience. Yeah. So Jeremy, what about you? Uh. Yeah, for major like major matches, there's no reason to show up to a major match and not have like with a hundo. Like if you're if you're in this sport, like seriously in shooting major matches, you don't own a hundo, you're doing yourself a disservice. So go to Ben Steger Pro Shop, go buy a hundo and whatever caliber you're shooting, and yeah, take fifteen and, minutes while you're watching TV and case gauge your five hundred rounds. It doesn't and take right- that long. And right after you hit the order button, message shopping at binstagerproshop.com and ask where your tracking number is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then ask again the next morning if you haven't received it. Follow, yeah. follow up on your order every 30 minutes to an hour. Yes. Yes. So I actually case gauge every round that comes off my press. 
I know I'm the only one that does that. That's just something I do. Uh, That's I, absurd. If I, if I know, <laughs> if I have a problem, I want to know it's not the ammo. I want to do most as much as I can to to eliminate well, it's the ammo. It's just my opinion. So, um, so what you're saying is, with a canic, you can't even trust your like. You, I did it with a Glock, doubt, dude. I've done it with doubt, every gun. So with your plastic guns, you doubt the gun so much that you have to case gauge every round. I've done it with every gun I've ever shot. I've done it with every round I've ever reloaded. It's just me. And then, and like you said, though, the rounds that, that on the hundo that stick up, I'll push them down, and I'll pu- I will go ahead and pull those out and put them in my practice ones. And even the ones that don't go all the way in, I'll put in my practice because I'm almost wanting to have an, a failure so I can practice clearing failures. And I would say one out of a five thousand, I have a a. a That's a very tactical of you. No, because you have failures in matches. It happens. It can happen. So you want to, you know, it's you want to keep kind of get get it solved and and uh, keep moving. It just sounds like you're bored, man. I guess so. But anyway, because so oh, if you're gonna throw them in your practice ammo and shoot them anyway, then why don't you just <laughs> case gauge your match no, ammo? I don't know what to tell you. I'm just telling you what I do. You so said you, like you don't have like you don't have enough rounds to your canic now that you trust that the me- the canic is mechanically sound like it's gonna run. It has nothing to do with the canic. I've done it with every gun I've ever shot. I just so it's just a pride issue. Had, no, it's not. It's, like, I don't wanna, know. Like, it's, you want to be able to brag to people like yeah, I've case gauged every round that's come off of my press. Nope, that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. That's what it sounds I, like. No, because about every one out of every ten thousand, I'll catch one that's got a crack case, and I'm like, I don't. For some reason, I just don't want to shoot that through my gun. I don't know why. Is that really worth the effort for one in 10,000? I'm just telling you, dude. I case gauge them. The dude, I can't remember cases, the last crack case I've ever the had. The crack cases shoot just fine. I've heard yeah. that. <laughs> I wouldn't know. But so Ooh, my whole actually, point of bringing this question up was, go ahead, Jared. Crack cases do not always shoot fine. I had one slip through uh, case gauging one time. And then whenever the gun tried to chamber it, it set the bullet back and wouldn't chamber. It caused a yeah, that'll pressure. sometimes happen on a on a crack case. It won't feed because the bullet just gives when it hits the feed ramp, so, so then it just loses all its inertia. Three and I'm but. so at area three. I'm not going to say who these two people were, but I was shooting with two people that <laughs> uh, we started talking about this at area three, and they said they don't case gauge any ammo at all. And I'm saying, hold on a second. We're at an area level match, and you haven't case gauged your ammo. And you're like, no. I could not believe it. Then so. they don't. Yeah, care. that's kind of crazy. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't Something. do that. One of them. Something. One of them sent me a picture about a week later and said, "I bought a hundo." So I listened. I was like, "Okay, smart person." <laughs> well, that's good. The other person did not has not, and they probably will listen to this podcast. And I'm not saying their name. But why not say their name? Nah, I'm not well, say it. Let me let me much. guess though. They probably nope. don't win matches, do they? Not commenting. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say that one of them was having malfunctions on his on a stage, and I said I don't remember what it was, but I was like, I don't even know how it came out because I would never expect that they didn't case gauge that ammo and it come up, and I was like, holy crap! How do you know it's not the ammo? And they're like, oh, it's high primers. I was like, yeah, that's something I check for when I'm case gauging my ammo. So. Yeah. So case gauge your match ammo. Don't be a boomer and case gauge every round you shoot. Uh, I got something real quick I want to touch on. Um, We got a message. 
asking me to give an update on my finger position in the trigger. I know a while back I was talking about how I was changing to reaching more into the trigger, uh, kind of using like my first knuckle almost, like right before the first knuckle to pull. And uh, update, I'm still working on it. I like it so far. Yeah, it works. It's not causing any problems. I'm just still getting used to it. And I think I'm shooting less low left. But that could also have something to do with me correcting my grip. Because I've also discovered that I grip the gun really hard with my support hand. Or my uh, my strong hand. And I have all these crazy calluses from doing that. And now these calluses hurt really bad. So I can't grip the gun really hard with that hand anymore. So it's kind of like self-correcting. Like I got this issue from gripping the gun incorrectly. And now I can't grip the gun the way I want to, so I'm having to correct it. Uh, so that could also have something to do with my my low left shooting or just left shooting. Uh, but it's all kind of coming together. I'm still liking the finger all the way up to uh, right before the first knuckle in the trigger guard on the trigger. And that's that. That's my update. Cool. Jeremy, do you want to tell him how wrong he is? No, I, I, man, after the, my practice session today, I would not tell a D-class shooter how wrong they're shooting uh, <laughs> because uh, if there was an E-class, I was shooting pretty much E-class level today. So mm. I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't tell anybody that their technique is, is improper. So you would say today's practice did not go well? Uh, yeah, it was pretty much a dumpster fire. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of what you want right before area match and then single stack nationals is coming up. It's kind of, you know, you're, you're ramping up and, you know, things get worse and it's, it's a good place to be. Nothing, nothing but up from here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was get thinking those about expectations this, uh... as low as possible and then, and then you're going to be guaranteed to have a good match. Yeah. I was thinking about this today. So everybody on the panel here, has been like training pretty freaking hard just from uh, from the discussions we've had and everything. Like everybody's hitting it really hard, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. I know Jared goes to the range probably almost as much L as Jeremy does. Lately I have been training really hard. Um Yeah. I think I've shot every day for the last week except for Friday. I took Friday off because my hands were getting pretty beat up. Mm, yeah, same. Yeah, I have I have wounds that won't heal. So I'm having to get creative with some bandages and stuff, try to give myself some time to heal without really taking time off. Uh, on your fingers? Tape? Yeah, on my like strong the back of my strong hand fingers. Put athletic tape over it. It'll be fine. Yeah, you, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't you, find my athletic tape. But do you normally yeah. use it when you're training? No. So I have never used anything on my fingers until this week, and I've used so some band-aids. If I'm gonna shoot a lot or my hands are getting a little beat up, I start using athletic tape. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I actually like these band-aids more than I like the athletic tape. They they stretched more and uh, gave more, so it was easier to bend my fingers. 
so I liked them. It was cool. It's the first time I've done that, and it was amazing, so I'll do it again tomorrow. But the point was, I'm really excited for everybody here to shoot nationals and all the matches that are coming up because everybody's working really hard. I think it's going to be awesome. Stoked. I just can't wait to shoot with Boomer at nationals. We're going to have fun again this year. It's going to be a good time. Jeremy's going, right? <laughs> Jeremy, you shooting production nationals? Uh, I'll be there for limited nationals, oh, okay. which I think is after that, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're staying with us, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Which I'm actually kind of looking for. I'm, I mean, living in Nashville's in Florida again, so that's kind of that. That kind of sucks, but uh, like that's just gonna be a fun match for me, so to speak. Like I'm, I'm not gonna take that. I'll train up for it, but I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna try not to take it too serious. Try to just have a little bit of fun. Uh, I was be a good time. I was thinking that um, since it's limited in uh, open after production and carry optics. I would like to stay and shoot open nationals and just shoot my canic because that would just you be should. fun. You should. Put some nine major ammo in it. It should work. Um, it yeah. should work. I was just going to shoot minor and try to get an extended base pad so I could get more rounds in there. But And then because it'd be, it'd be fun, to, I think, to shoot a match at that, uh, that kind of a match and be able to go, okay, I'm, I'm kind of at a disadvantage, so I'm going to shoot. I'm going to let it all hang out here a little bit, you know what I mean, and just see what happens. I think that'd be kind of fun. Give yourself that's, the freedom. That's to, not what you do at every match. I try not to. <laughs> not you completely should. let it. I mean, like I'm talking about really letting it hang out, man. So, all right. What What oh. were your? Uh... Oh, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, Jason, don't let it all hang out. Like, ain't nobody gonna want to see that. Ain't nobody want to see that. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you said we had some uh, Facebook questions. Let's uh, let's get yeah. on to those. Yeah, there's two for you, Jared. Here, the rest of them are stupid, but we're gonna do a rapid fire afterwards. Yes, I'll do one rapid fire for Jason and one for Jeremy, and then you can answer the real questions, Jared. Okay. So Jason and I just get the stupid questions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did did, did I stutter? Oh, we're good. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Jared. Yes. You fought. You fought. You shot your first two-gun competition. What did you think? Give your thoughts on that. Where uh, was it? Okay. Uh, it was in Omaha. I went up and hung out with Joel. We played Timmy with rifles. That reminds me. I'll have to post a video on uh, Instagram like tonight or tomorrow. Uh from what I could tell, two gun is two gun itself was okay, um, and it could just be that club. The stages were pretty uninteresting, and it took all day to shoot a four stage or five stage match. Like I'm talking, I've shot twelve stage major matches in shorter time, mm -hmm. so it it takes a long time. And also, it might just be up there. But from the three gunners that were on our squad that I saw, apparently nobody's shotgun works. I don't think I saw a single shotgun get through an entire tube. Oh, um, it made it look very uninteresting when they were trying to clear malfunctions on their shotguns and, like, standing there loading them. And honestly, I think uh, the rifle portion of the shooting would be a lot of fun if it was, like, maybe USPSA stages that are a little bit harder than you'd want to shoot with a pistol. Uh, I think the rifle would be a lot of fun by itself. 
it was okay with pistol, but most of the stages were pretty USPSA like. I thought they were kind of lame and uninteresting. I don't yeah. think I'm ever going to get involved with uh, three gun on a serious level. I'll probably shoot another two gun match with Joel sometime just to play with rifles. But cool. I mean, interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's cool. <laughs> great, great but interview, in... Jeff. Yes, I don't have, I, I don't have any further I'm so, questions. Would I'm sorry. Panel, would the panel like to address Jared? Jeff Jeff wants something spicy. So I gathered from a single match at a local club that three gun is completely fucked. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And another question for the panel. You guys do get to answer an interesting question. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do you that. think the competitor field at nationals will be softened this year because of the pandemic no uh, well it depends on what nationals you're talking about but i mean single stack nationals is i mean nils isn't going to be there so it's at least he's not nils is not signed up and it was not like he put out a post like of all his future rest of his matches for the year and he's not he's not shooting single stack nationals so uh, so yeah, then the automatically for single stack, the field's softer. Um, what does that do to COVID? I don't so, think COVID has anything to do with it. No, I think, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily due to COVID. I think nationals will probably be a little lighter in regards to the overall field. I think at the top, you're going to see the people who take it serious enough that they're going to go to nationals and have you know, are going to be serious competitors there. Those guys are all going to show up. I think where it's going to be a little softer is maybe after you get out of like the top 10, it's going to start softening up a little more than it would. The guys that are good, but don't take it overly serious. Some of those guys might not travel this year. I agree with Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. I think so I also think that, yeah, there's going to be some heat. But I'm also seeing a trend, like in the last couple of years. Uh, this has obviously nothing to do with COVID, but it seems like a lot of the like the really top guys. I mean, guys that have won nationals in the past and stuff. They are they're not finding shooting nationals and stuff to be worth their time and energy uh, when they can go they can go train and stuff. And you know, you win nationals, and it's like okay, here's a plaque, and you don't really get much for it. So I, I am seeing. I am seeing a lot of the top guys kind of just pull out of nationals and and just kind of withdraw. They're doing more of the training stuff and they're they're competing less. And to me, that's a real shame uh, when you don't have the best shooters uh, at that at that premier match for the year. That's kind of it's less of a premier match. Yeah. Why do you think I, that is? I mean, because yeah. you train to shoot the biggest match. Is that because these matches? Aren't what they should be. Uh, so what they I, could I think be. there's. I mean, I I do think there has been a kind of a somewhat noticeable um, from the from the current regime. There's kind of a noticeable lack of wanting to make winning nationals a big deal. It's it's more of trying to make it a, a great experience for the average hobbyist and which that's where the numbers in the sport are somewhat, but 
if it's going to be a legitimate sport, to, to me, you need to try to push to make winning nationals to be like the ultimate in the sport. And it's kind of it's kind of a little bit ho hum, um, to where if you you know if there's no wrecking. I mean, they took away the top sixteen, right? Like that's that's not a that's not a deal anymore. Which that's kind of a, that was always like in our history. Like yeah, it's kind of not a big deal, but at the same time, like historically, top sixteen was like you made top sixteen. That was a cool thing. Like that was something. Hey, hey, this guy's a top sixteen shooter, right? Like that was that yeah. was a, a legit deal. And now that's not a thing anymore. And so it's just. I don't know, like that. There just seemed to be this kind of push to go away from really recognizing the best shooters in the sport and just try to make it a fun hobby for the your average well, your average Joe Blow that just wants to show up for a weekend. And you you, you mentioned the top sixteen that brings up a good point. Like it wasn't that it was top sixteen itself was not a relevant thing anymore. Come back from the days when they would have the shoot off. Right. But I think it was good. I think it was good because it kind of drew back on the history of that. Like even I was never around when the shootoff stuff happened, but I still know right. what it was. Right. But when I got into the sport in 2015, like someone that was good, you would say, "Oh, that guy's a you know top 16 GM." Like it was a, a clear like reference difference from just a guy that's a GM or a guy that's good. It was like he is competing on a very high level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you look at others. Like you look at disc golf, like we're we're talking disc golf here, and their regional events, they make more money than a guy that's winning nationals in our sport. Like that's uh, I think that's crazy. I'm I'm pretty sure winning nationals is a negative expense for whoever wins it each year. I don't I don't think anyone's really making money off winning nationals. Yeah, and that's to me like that's a shame. Like I don't necessarily know where the money like like I'm not sitting here trying to like say that oh they need to be giving out ten thousand dollar prizes for the match winner. I don't necessarily know where that money would come from, but I it would be interesting to see what what would happen to the sport if they did um, put money into the into the the winnings the top the top winner like that. Uh, they they may need to to do that only for let's say they only do that for limited open production. And single stack, not carry optics. Carry optics is dumb. But let's do it mm-hmm. single stack because that's that's a legit division. Uh, you know, like the, you're probably you sure it is. Like, you you can't necessarily. You may not be able to do that for every single division, but like like let's okay, let's let's identify what are the important divisions, and then okay, maybe yeah, those we will we will try to monetize the winners somehow, some way, somehow to make it to make it something that's puts more pressure on the line and makes something that somebody wants to well, actually do. Yeah, you, know, you talk about paying out the winners. Like, even an area match, like, if you paid, I don't know what it would take to get somebody who wouldn't normally go to, say, say somebody who wouldn't normally fly out to area, what, what would you have to pay for a guy that has real contention on winning that to get them out there? If you if you simply paid first place a couple thousand dollars, you're going to draw more of the people or whatever number it would take. You would have to figure that out. You would draw more of the people that were in serious contention on winning that which would make the field much deeper for the rest of us that are shooting it. Well, it's, yeah. So like, it's, it's a bit of a kind of a backwards thinking on, on, I think on mass directors part, this is, this is just Jeremy's opinion, but they think, okay, if we just, if we put $2,000 towards five match winners, we are, we're just awarding $10,000 to, to five people. Whereas we could take that. We'll get more people to show up if we will spread that $10,000 to awards to other people. Where I think 
the proper thing proper thinking is if we're giving two thousand dollars to the match winner more of the top people will show up and then more of the other people will show up because they want to compete against the top people like they want to see where they they want to see where they stand up stack up against those top people um and and at the same time like man if you're this may step on some people's toes which i mean if people listen to this podcast long enough they know i don't care about stepping on people's toes but like if you're if you're dcba class like and you're you're expecting to win a prize at a match, an area match that you're not like winning over, like you're not one of those like crazy persons like A, but you're still winning area matches. Like if you're, but if you're one of those that's expecting a prize for being thirtieth place, like come on, like you haven't put anything into the sport. I'm sorry, um, but the guys at the top have put the most in the sport, and they they should be winning the bigger prizes. Uh, yeah, let's let's award them. There's still and there's still prizes on the table as you get through. I mean, I, I don't know how far down like area three gave prizes, but there was a lot of stuff out there. So there was, yeah. If 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 you finished in the top fifteen or so in your division, you got something pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying. I mean, you don't have to get rid of all prizes for all that. You can still do a random draw for for the 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 general people and stuff like that if you want. But I think it was uh, it was matched down in Houston last year. Henry's Cup, I think. I think they gave out like a thousand or fifteen hundred to the division winners, if there were fifty people in a division. I think, and and yeah, you saw you saw people show up for that, and that was in Houston. Yeah, um, but no way in the world wants to go to Houston. Yeah, and if you have fifty people in the division, what is that? Twenty dollars off each entry fee goes right. to that to make a thousand dollars. It's not yeah. a lot of money. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. It's you know it's interesting and I honestly I don't know where I'm at on those all those issues because I kind of I see your points but at the same time I'm like well what are we trying to do what's the point of the sport so I I don't know I mean I definitely think it'd be cool to 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 win a thousand dollars or to have a chance to win a thousand dollars I mean that'd be pretty neat and, and, I, and in some ways I wish the sport was more um, but prestigious than it is but wouldn't you know. wouldn't you like it though if every time you went to an area match if there was like four or five guys in your division that are capable of winning nationals that you're shooting against every time you shoot one of those. I mean, if, is that if possible knew, though? Because I mean, with how many areas are there? Eight. And yeah. I mean, is that possible to have every division have that many, that much heat well, to legitimately you, have you, four or five guys that could win nationals at every division at every area match? Well, That's you, a lot of shooters. Yeah, but you take you. You take the guys that are going to switch divisions a little bit throughout the year based on when nationals are and stuff, and then you take the divisions that have a lot of heat in them. Like it would be very like limited division. It'd be very possible to have you know ten guys that can shoot ninety plus percent of nationals in your division. Okay, oh, and ninety percent—that's a different story. Yeah, I, I said ten guys, and probably four to five of them that are in legitimate contention above. to win a nationals, and ninety-five and above. I'd say once you once you're over ninety five at nationals, I think you're you're to the point where you probably have the skills and you're in contention that you'll you would have the you have the ability to win nationals. You might not be there yet, but you have the ability. Definitely have the ability to win an area match at that mm-hmm. point. And I, I mean, like I think I think that would get people interested. Like, okay, who won? The, like, who won the area match this week? Like, because they won, like they won a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, you're going to want to kind of like that's just going to put more pressure on those matches, which to me is 
It is a competition. That's what it's about. Jeff, I'm sure that you have a very <laughs> different, more socialist type. Everybody gets <laughs> a $20 prize so that it's all equal approach to this, right? No, I'm I'm very much in line uh, with what y'all are thinking. Um, I don't think sports grow or progress or more people aren't going to come into it unless there's those top people, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's like any other sport. I mean, it's like golf, uh, disc golf, whatever. There's people that spend an extraordinary amount of time and are really good at it and win stuff. And then there's people that do it for leisure. But those people that do it for leisure, they know who those top guys are. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's what makes it fun for them to think, man, those guys are really good. And they go out and they have fun and they yeah. they try they try to see how good they can do. I mean, I get that some people take it more serious than others. But if you don't have people that take it seriously, I don't think the sport will grow at all. Yeah, I agree. Can I, Can I say something that? So you're saying like you want this sport to be I keep hearing a little bit of this and maybe I'm not understanding exactly what y'all are meaning, but y'all it's kinda like we we're wanting this sport to become like a premier sport. And maybe not so much like the NBA, NFL and in and, and PGA and all that stuff, but kind of more more like that to where it brings in more people and the prize tables uh are the payouts are higher, so that's gonna bring in more people and then the talent's gonna like grow. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I, I Personally, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a, a reference to the number of people. It's right. the level of the level of general skill in the sport will be higher. You okay. want if if you could if you could replace if you could make it where the average shooter in the game is say A class instead of C class, it would be better for the sport. I think they go hand in hand, though. I think if you increase the level of talent in the sport then the numbers for the sport will grow. Probably. I agree. I guess what I'm thinking is, is if you're not careful and we incentivize it too much to bring too many new people in, uh, and, and I'm probably not saying this right, but then you run the risk of it becomes all about the money and then it becomes all a game about uh, people at the top, like now, but there'll just be more of them. It's going to be people that are putting in the level that the top guys are putting in the level now. And then essentially all of us if we can't do that or don't do that, we'll not pretty much be in the sport. We would be um, at the bottom of the sport. And so you're kind of, if you're not careful, you kind of are, it's not a, I don't know how to say this, but it's kind of like you're phasing yourself out. If you start, if it's all about money, then you're going to get guys that are all about the money. And those guys are going to put in the time and they're going to have the talent and they're going to just work at it. And, well, and then it's going to be either, a professional thing. And then we're not, yep. you know, guys like us are not going to be, at the level we're we still yeah, shoot. So. Yeah. You'll, either, no, you'll, you'll, either, you'll either get better or you'll fade away. Exactly. I'm just saying that's a, that's another side of, in my mind, a kind of a byproduct I mean, of it. Yeah, but you, I mean, you're talking, I mean, like the, the level that you're talking about, like you're, we're so far, like that's almost to the point that people are like making money just from winning matches. Like they're like making a living just from winning matches. We're, we're not anywhere near that ballpark. Like right, that ain't. Right. I don't think that's a reality, but at, you know, at the same time, like look at almost any other sport in their nationals, you can be a ranked beginner in our sport and just go to nationals. I would right. be okay if nationals was like an invite only, or you had to qualify to like 
like like qualify not not just earn a section slot but actually qualify through some sort of point system or something like that to where nationals was no we want to make sure that our nationals that we try to get like our effort is to get all the best shooters in the country there so that we are determining who is the best shooter in the country and right now it's more of just well we want to get a lot of people in the match and so then and then just Whoever happens to win it is fine. We don't really care if they're if they're the best shooter in the country or not. We just we just want a bunch of people in the match, um, and so like that's fine for most matches. But for nationals, nationals is supposed to we're tra- crowning a national champion. Let's figure out who the best shooter in the country is, and let's incentivize the best shooters in the country to be there so that we can actually determine that. It, it would be it'd be pretty easy to make some kind of point system, and you wouldn't even necessarily have to do it purely off skill. Like you could you could require hey you have to shoot at least one section match hey you have to shoot so many local matches hey you have to shoot at least one area match, and that's your that's your qualifying system for nationals, and then out of those people that hit that standard, you take the top two hundred in that division and that's that's the cap. Yeah, IDPA does something like that. You have to have a you have to uh, amass a certain number of points to get in. Did y'all know that. No, because nobody cares about IDPA. I know, but yeah, does, does, I don't think does your idea listening sound, cares about IDPA. I don't think IDPA does, cares about IDPA. Does your idea sound as, as good now, though? <laughs> now no, it doesn't. Does like, it. If it sounds like IDPA, then we definitely don't need to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're right. Cancel that. But, okay, we're going to do a rapid fire now. We, we right. beat this topic to death on numerous, uh, yes. numerous episodes. All right, so first rapid fire is going to Jeremy. Are you ready? And and do make it quick, please. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> He's tired. He's old. I mean, there's there's actually quite a few questions here, and I would like to at least touch on all of them since we put out a feeler. All right. Uh, trigger pull weight. That's. There's not even the a question. question. There's not even a question mark. So. Well, well we're looking for. <laughs> What we're looking for, Jeremy, is an exact, precise weight that your trigger must be for you to be successful in shooting. Okay, my my quick answer to this is too many people to put too much emphasis on their trigger pull weight. They think they need it to be like a pound and a half or something like that, and they're going to be good, and that's absurd. No, that is that is incorrect. Your trigger must be exactly two pounds and four and a half ounces. Any red, less or any more. And red, red versus green fiber. Who's Red that to? This is all to you, Jeremy. Oh, this is oh, this is all okay. So then, Jared, shut up. Uh, <laughs> I mix them up. Why major power factor is the best power factor? Because be a man. <laughs> Turkish handguns. No. <laughs> Terrorist. How much did Chad actually shit in the pool? I was the only one at that match. And last <laughs> no, I heard, okay, well, Jared's got to answer that one. I'm going to guess a lot. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. It, it happened on a Friday night, and the pool was still closed when we left on Sunday. <laughs> Three dot sights? Negative. Okay. No. Boomer. Why do revolvers? Wow. Why do revolvers still exist? Boomer. They're too stubborn to die. Those boomers. All right, Jason, you're up. All right. Recoil springs. <laughs> Whatever. 
bullet weights. Whatever. <laughs> Powder choice? Sure. Front sight height? 12. Oh, 12. Is, like on a, is that like on a 1 to 10, 10 scale? You go with a 12? Yes. <laughs> Trigger pull weight? Your mom. Dude, I know you put some secret sauce on your trigger. Yeah, I, I okay, true. Yeah, I, I don't know what my trigger pull weight is. I just know that that little spring I put on makes it a little lighter. And it's really the only reason why I did that is just because it doesn't stretch that trigger return spring so much. And it, it, I think in my mind, it prolongs the life of the spring. Yeah, he adds like a a fishing lure part yeah, to it to I make do. it to make it lighter. So because because the trigger I put on mine takes more, it 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 positions the trigger back further, which pulls. For more forward on the trigger bar, which puts more spring tension on that, and all that does is essentially lengthen the spring. The spring. So, I don't know what my trigger pull weight is, and I don't care. I don't measure okay. it. But he takes it pretty serious because that's not for trigger pull weight so much as it's just it's something I do, and I just don't. I just I think it makes for a better trigger on that okay. gun. On that gun. Come on, hit me. All right. I want some more. I, I think that's it. Dude, I got like three. Jeremy got like seven. Scraping no, you the didn't power answer any of them. Scraping the power factor floor. How the to. Dumbest, the dumbest. Oh, how to. How oh. to. Uh, <laughs> go, have chrono ammo and not worry about it. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Get by match ammo. Can I, can, I, can I interrupt on this one? Like if you're going to do chrono ammo, you need to make sure that like you – like don't like separate it at all. Like just have your have one hundred round box that's filled up and know like one line of it that is that is just no like don't mark it, but just know that that's the chrono ammo. So then, and also what you need to make sure you do is your first stage of the match because some ROs are kind of tricky. Your last mag your last mag on your belt. Make sure you put your chrono ammo in that on the first stage because sometimes the ROs come and they want a mag off your belt. So make sure you've got. At least one mag full of chrono ammo on your belt, that's too. Awful. Boy, that's awful. That's awful detailed. I mean, wow. If you're gonna if you're gonna cheat it, then that's the way you do it. All right, Jared, you're up for serious answers. This means everybody gets the answer right because he interrupted us. Yeah, sure. USPSA president. Hoppy. <laughs> Can't stop the hop. Hoppy. If if, if he runs. Popper calibration. Fuck. It him. needs fixed. Jeremy? <laughs> oh, I'm good with it. Oh, you're good with the way it is? Uh I mean I think if you hit it in the scoring zone, it should be and it doesn't go down, it should be automatic reshoot. Either you get the hit or automatic reshoot. If you hit it in the foot, uh then maybe go to then then go to then you can go to calibrate it. Poppers aren't people. They don't have feet. We're not shooting people, Jeremy. Well, you get the idea. Smoking divisions. <laughs> yes. Uh, we don't need 27 divisions. I think we could easily pare it down to four or five. Does that mean single stack joins with production? Uh, no. I think they've almost got production so fucked now that... <laughs> You're you're almost to the point where you could just like basically make it where there's uh, L10 and limited. You either shoot high cap or you shoot low cap. Like, don't worry about anything else. I like it. 
I'm cool. Smoke revolver. Smoke revolver. Smoke revolver? Yes, revolver is gone. But and that PCC. one almost take care of itself. That one almost take care of itself because nobody shows up and shoots it. Except for PC- Free State. There's a whole squad. PCC needs to go be its own thing. Yep. It, yes, Correct. it does. PCC needs to be separate from everybody else at every match. Like, if, be- if, they, if they want to shoot a match we're at, like they should have to shoot on like staff day. Okay. <laughs> Um, Kwanzik, uh chimed in with natural talent as something we should discuss, but we beat that one up pretty good. It's not real. It does not, it does not exist. Um, Jared has none, and Jason has a lot. <laughs> and Jeff um, has the most. <laughs> and then Jeff one more. Is the, Jeff's the greatest shooter ever. Thank you. Talent wise, twenty. He's a twenty twenty. Single stack national champion. That's right. You guys wait and see. Uh, All right. Aaron has one more question concerning Jeremy and I's uh, area three battle. Who wins Jeremy and Jeff single stack minor? I think Jeff may have played Jeremy at area three by convincing him to shoot major. While guess or fact? We can answer that with the good old-fashioned competitor app. So give me one second here. No, because that they wouldn't have shot the match the same as they did. Uh, it would have been faster. We're we're answering it as best we can, okay? Okay, okay. Boomer, you don't have to screw this up. My bad. Jeremy, what's your answer to that? Uh, if we shot head-to-head with in minor, I'd beat you. You'd beat me? You don't have a minor gun, and you had never competed with minor. So I would show. I competed first two years I shot with minor. That was a long time ago. That was like three years. That was like two years ago. So, but that's that's your answer is that I okay. I can't, so I can't handle a lighter load. So, right, so exactly. So, yeah. So if Jeremy Ipsic, shoots major, maybe. Jeff shoots minor. If Jeff shot minor and you shot major, Jeremy, you'd have beat him by four point three percent. If you'd have both shot, if you'd have both shot minor, uh, you'd have both been second and third. Uh, Jeff would have been ninety-eight point nine. Jeremy would have been ninety-eight point zero seven. And now, if Jeff was major and Jeremy was minor, I don't feel like that answers the question at all. Uh, you, you would have won by six point ten percent, Jeff, and. What this all tells you is that it's all ifsic. It didn't happen, so it doesn't really matter. But Jeremy's feeling. That's what well, I care about. What do you think, Jeff? Jeff, if we both shot minor, you think you're still winning? Oh yeah, I'll beat you. I'll beat you every time, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? With today's with today's practice, there's there's that might be true. It might be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. That would be fun. Uh, you should build me a free miner gun, and we can do that. I got one with a crack slide. I'll send it to you. Perfect. I shoot really good with crack slides. Yeah. He's won every match he's ever shot with a crack slide. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it. Y'all got anything else? Nope. Um, yeah, so, uh, area eight and nationals coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be doing some live shows. 
So Jeremy and Jared are going to be at Area 8 next weekend. Not this weekend, yes, next weekend? This, no, this weekend. This weekend. Okay. I'm going to try to get Hopkins on it with us. Okay. Like, so they're Two days after a, this airs. Right. Two days after. So Friday, this coming Friday, if you're listening to this, it's this coming Friday, they're going to be doing a live show from Area 8, which is in what state? West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay. So if you're listening to the podcast, go follow the Facebook page, which is the Hit Factor podcast page. That's what it's called. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know, turn on some notifications or something so you can tell when they go live. And then we will also most likely do live shows from Nationals, Single Stack. Uh, what's with Single Stack? Is it just Single Stack? Well, Single Stack and then after Single Stack is L10 and Revolver are together. Right. So it's like a double header. We're shooting two Nationals with Jeremy and I are back to back. They're both standalone one day matches. Uh, so we will be doing some live shows from then. And we may is, even do live shows in the middle of the match. Yeah. So, like, maybe we'll catch some shooters if, and and put them up live. Yeah. So we could get some live coverage from the Super Squad. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're both on the Super Squad, so that'll be fun. That's because you're both yeah. super. So they go... may not. This may be the last year they let me on. <laughs> and I think. Uh, Jason is he's uh, live feeding the recording. I am live feeding the recording right now. It's super interesting. Fantastic. Um the reason okay. why I'm doing this is because I I'm trying to figure out that if you can live feed from I guess y'all can't do it, so it's kind of a moot point because I'm the only one that's got access to this account. So never mind. Yeah, so go follow the <laughs> Facebook <ignore> page. <laughs> if you want to be able to tune in for these these live shows that we'll be doing from majors. Be sure you're following the Facebook page. And that's all I got. Y'all got anything else? Nope. Nope. No. All right. Well, thank y'all. Sorry that was long. Uh, Hope you enjoy. Send all your questions to Jason. No. no. Yeah, let me get you you his phone number. He prefers them by text. And as soon as he's done live recording, he will stop this recording. Yeah, hope he doesn't stop it before I look up his oh, yeah, phone. Okay, you can reach <laughs> Jason at you can reach hey, Jason hey, at four seven five. Shut the fuck! Oh, stop recording! Damn it! <laughs>